Grow Great is a city government leadership podcast with Lisa Norris and me, Randy Cantrell. Each week we share insights, experiences, and wisdom to help you and your leadership grow great. Our website is growgreat.com. All right, I teased it last time, so Lisa and I decided to just jump on it. <laughs> Newsflash, for those of you that are watching, she ironically is still wearing the exact same outfit. I'm still wearing the exact same shirt that we had on the last episode. <laughs> if you're watching. If you're not watching and you're only listening, you would have no idea. Yeah, but I just told you, so there's that. <laughs> we talked about story. We talked about it just being a chapter in your life and not your whole story. And at the end of that, I kind of teased and I give, I would give full credit to the person. I hate to say it, but I don't remember who it was. I had surrounded myself with some HR people because I saw them as such a great resource. I'm a young leader. I've not got a ton of hiring experience. I've not got it. I've got probably a little more training, teaching experience at this point, but I've now got an organization to run. I mean, I'm now the number one and I'm like, I ain't got a clue what I'm doing. I've got experience and I had a lot of working theories. I've talked about this in the past. I, I had a working theory that people wanted to come to work and they wanted to do good work. I would only find out later that somebody in the 1960s had written a book called the human side of enterprise. And they had put names and labels to these things. There was theory X, which was if you don't kick their butt, they won't do the work. Well, I knew that firsthand. I had worked under bosses that that's how they approached life. I'd never heard it called theory X. We'll introduce theory Y theory. Y is people want to get up in the morning. They want to come to work. They want to do a good job. Well, I'm like, wait a minute, wait a minute. I'm a theory Y guy. I subscribe to theory Y. Unfortunately, I just never worked in a place that subscribed to theory Y. So now I'm in this live laboratory. I'm running a business. It's about a $14 million a year business in the eighties. So not a huge business, but not a mom and pop either. And I'm asking HR people, I'm soliciting as much help as I can get because I'm naturally curious. I'm thankfully, I'm just not plagued with feeling like the smartest guy in the room. And it was an HR professional who told me, taught me, I ended up reframing it this way. I don't remember that these were the exact words that she used. But here was what I distilled from it. If I didn't give my people, my team, my organization, if I did not give everybody in that organization a story about where they fit and how they could make a positive difference, then they would craft their own narrative, their own story. And it wouldn't be as good. And she instructed me and told me, if you don't do that for them, they will write their own and it will not be as good as yours. Mm -hmm. And that wasn't selling them short. She just knew what I did not know. She was a senior citizen at the, at the time. And I was in my twenties. She just knew from life experience, what I knew that we just, we kind of naturally gravitate to worst case scenario. So if, if you are a director and the city manager's office calls and says, oh, yeah, the, the city manager needs to see you in 30 minutes. Does your head immediately go to great? I'm going to get a pay raise. I'm going to get a promotion. Not likely. Most likely your head is going to immediately go to what, oh, man, what could I have done? I've clearly, I've clearly done something. I mean, I'm in trouble. And she knew that she just knew that that's just kind of the default place where our heads go. And so while we did that last episode about your story and we emphasize the pronoun your it's your story to write there is this context where as leaders we really have we've got to we've got to craft the story for people specifically in the context of here's where you fit here's how you make a positive contribution and a positive difference not in the sense of i'm going to control every aspect of your life and I'm going to micromanage the snot out of you so that, you know, your story is my story. We, we don't mean that at all. No, there's with any good story, there's got to be purpose. You know, that's one of the things that I had to sit down and define an author doesn't just 
typically start writing. They they figure out, okay, what's the end, what's the middle, and what's the beginning need to kind of look like, and then they fill in in between because then they have purpose on what they're trying to get toward, right? At the end of, as the, as the book closes, they know that's where I need to finish. So how am I going to get there from point A to point B? And in, in our work in business, I learned that same thing as we, you know, as, as you mentioned that exact quote to me is Lisa, you're going to have to write your story because if you don't, they will fill it in for you and yours is going to be much better. Right. Mm -hmm. And so I had to, I had to think about that. Okay. Now how, what is my story and how am I going to get there? And I had to put a lot of, this wasn't an overnight. Okay. The next day, Randy, let's meet. Here right. we go. I got it all down. I got it figured out. It's, it's just not that simple. There are so many components to business and life that they, they sometimes intertwine themselves. So we have to know, okay, what is my story? They always intertwine themselves. They always. And, and as I've told my team, you got to get you got to get life kind of at home fixed first. So I always focus on that for them and give them time when they need it because if that ain't right the rest of it's the, the work side is absolutely going to be impacted. We say no we can separate it, you cannot separate it. It does not happen. So you can say that as much as you want. But if you if you, if you have a fight with somebody in the morning, I guarantee you when you come to work you're not your best version of yourself. That's right. 100% of the time, you're not your best version because your head is focused on what happened this morning and not where I need to be right now. You can still have a partial focus, mm -hmm. but you're not going to be 100% focused on a, a good, today's going to be a good day because you're already starting the morning with challenges, right? Well, let's go back to, let me interrupt <laughs> you and let's go back to your situation where we're talking about your chapter and your story, but now let's shift the focus to the team. Right. Because when we less when we last left off, you've, you've got five people, you need 12 to be completely fully staffed. And so now here's the challenge. What story are these people as you're going through this difficult chapter as a leader, your people, they're also, they're also involved in their own story. And so now as a leader, what's your sense of responsibility in that moment? If you can go back and relive it, what's your sense of responsibility to what you owe them to let them know, listen, this is as your lead. This is what I see as your story. This is where you fit. This is how you make a meaningful, positive difference. This is how your story is going to unfold in the future and how you're going to grow and be even a bigger contributor so that we can have this high performing HR department. So for me, it was, um, very much. And I don't, honestly, I don't remember the order of things because there was just a lot going on back yep. then. So I'm going to tell you in general terms, things that I worked on and I focused on to help ensure I, I'm a big believer in team. I don't believe I, I am successful because of me. I believe I'm successful because of those around me that have allowed us to shine and have worked hard to, to get us to shine as a unit. Um, so for me, it was really just getting the team together. Uh, I shared in an earlier segment that there was a moment of pain that I had to just share genuinely where I was at in that moment and that we were going to get through this as a team. And I was going to lead them through that if they chose to follow and that I needed them and I needed their strength. And I think they needed mine. So at the time it was, Hey, we're in this together. Uh, it was then showing value. Uh, one thing I didn't want to do, as you know, he kept saying, what about one-on-ones? And I said, Randy, I don't have time for one-on-ones. We've only got five people, including me. They're supposed to be 12. And he said, how long can it take? 15 minutes. Ask one question. Whatever question is valuable today, ask that. And I remember going, Randy. Well, rewind. Why was, that a, why, was that a, why was that such a challenge? Because what was your prior conception? Well, my, my original of, of the... conception was those take hours because people just unload and dump. Right. Yep. That they're going to, I don't have time to fix anything else. I'm just trying to get us, I'm trying to right. write this ship that's sinking. Mm -hmm. Right. I'm trying to write the ship. And you said, well, how are you, how are you going to know? And I said, I don't know. I just am trying to write the ship, <laughs> you know, and, and that's taking on water, man. <laughs> right. And I remember us, you know, laughing in those moments. And I just said, I'm just trying, I'm just trying to write a ship that's sinking. 
And you said, well, how are, how are you going to know what's causing it to sink if you don't ask? And I was like, well, I think I know. And, and I think your question was, do you? <laughs> because you, you just, and it's not that I wasn't wise and, and smart and knew the heartbeat of the team, but we're all tired. And so you said, what's one question you could ask that would get your answers? And I remember thinking about that for about a week. <clears throat> you know, I could say, what do we need to fix? I can say, what do we need to do? But that's not specific. And so I remember thinking, okay, you know what I'm going to ask the team? We're all about raving fan service and we are hemorrhaging. We are hemorrhaging and short staffing. But what we have committed to do as a unit, no matter what kind of time it is, whether we're short staffed, whether we have, and I had deaths in the family, I had a very sick mother, Don's father died. Uh, we had a lot going on and short staffed. And I remember what's getting in the way of raving fans? What's getting in the way of us delivering raving fan service? And I said, that's the question I'm going to ask. 15 minutes. I didn't lead them with anything. Boy, did that open the door. And it wasn't bad. It was just not what I was expecting. Things that were causing them heartache was not what I had envisioned it, it was. I was trying to work on the things that were not important at the time that I thought were important to them that were absolutely not important. So I, re, I reset and I said, okay, as a team, here, here's what I heard. And if it was private, if it was, uh, for instance, a personnel issue, a, a struggle with a team member, those things I addressed, of course, privately sure. so that they didn't know. But where it was things that we could improve and it was lack of connection. This is in the midst of COVID. I feel like we are just isolated from each other. We are, my family's going through mental health issues. You know, it was that kind of stuff. Almost yeah, a lot of that. 80% was mm. a not work-related. Right. They felt lack of connection. They had a child struggling because they couldn't be in team sports and they couldn't, uh, they weren't seeing any of their friends and they're worried about the health of their children and their families. Um so it was a complete shift of, okay, I need to get value for the team members and serve them right now. This is not about work. It is, but it's not. I need to get, I need to find things to help serve them because if my team of five and 90% of them are dealing with the same issue, I can almost guarantee that's reflective of our entire city workforce that is struggling in mental health. And what did we see after COVID? Mental health yeah. on the yeah. rise. A 42% increase in drug use to cope, you know, a 30% increase in potential suicide and thoughts of suicide across all generations, not just young people. The worst 65 and older yep. of high thoughts of suicide because they were seeing friends and family die over and over and over and thought, what about me? Is this going to happen to me? I'm losing everybody I love and know. So those moments, but your insight from them gained from them. So correct. you could have gone off and you, you would have written this story that you thought would have been beneficial to them, but it wasn't the story that they needed most. No. It wasn't the story that they wanted most for their own, you know, for their own outcome. That's right. And so that's we really, the point. The point is right. the influence that we have, the impact that we can have as leaders to help our people craft better stories again stories that they write here's the quote great leaders see the future first and it really is encapsulated in that and if that's true and i believe that it is if great leaders see the future first it means that you're able to see something that they can't yet see that's right is it because they're stupid no it's because you're you're at a different you're just at a different level and your perspective looks different it's no different than the perspective being on the ground floor, the perspective being on the seventh floor, the perspective being on the 14th floor. They're just different. And so as you go higher up the leadership ladder of authority and title and position and all that, you just have a different perspective, hopefully one that benefits your team. If it doesn't, then the question is, why are you even there? That's right. And it, it was so important as as we as I started exploring these things, you know, that 
what I thought was, hey, we need to get more candidates. Hey, we need to we need to focus on our service at the front, you know, whatever it was, it ended up being connections, um, number one. And so that bore out what we called thoughtful, it was a feel good Friday initially. And I said, okay, every week for an hour or as long as we need, it could be 30 minutes. We're going to meet every Friday and just talk about one thing. And I would have different topics. I would have deep topics. And we did forever, probably six months. We did, I called it one word, feel good Friday. And I said, give me one word on how you're feeling this week. And they would go around the room. We just did it virtually, you know, and, and they would say, uh, anxious, uh, the next one would be, you know, devastated. I mean, these are words that comes coming out from staff mm-hmm. and the next one would be, um, hopeful, you know, it, it, they were all this all over. Yeah. And, and then I said, okay, now before they explain, what do you think that means? And they said, well, I think they're nervous. The anxious, I think they're nervous about work, you know, because we're short staffed or, and through that. And I said, now go tell us what it actually meant. And it was teaching them perception is not reality. So anxious was, well, I'm anxious because my sister-in-law's in in the hospital. My brother-in-law just went in and now the nephew is by themselves and they're 10 and they think both parents are going to die. Yeah. So we're anxious. All of a sudden our assumptions are all out the window. Exactly. But it, it taught so much to the team. And I, Mm -hmm. I can't, when I started feel good Friday, I said, this has absolutely got to be a safe place. This is not a place where we share. And then you go behind closed doors and talk about what was said. If we do that, that is destructive to the team. And that will not benefit you or us as a unit. This, this feel good Friday is to lift each other up in these, in these difficult times. And, and that every week we talked about something light. And then some days it was like, okay, if you could take a vacation anywhere, where would it be and why, mm-hmm. you know? And it would, yeah. it was so much of going to the beach where it's peaceful. You know, it was so much of the calming that everybody wanted to go somewhere calm and relaxing and um, not heavy. You know, it was so interesting in the times how it defined us that then turned into thoughtful Thursdays. We moved it. Um, and we did more team building and then uh, work related. They want to kind of have a half and half. So we kept evolving. And now we just do it instead of weekly. We did it weekly through COVID and that was necessary. Mm-hmm. And uh, and actually taught about that at a conference because others were trying to figure out ways to connect. Yep. People seeing each other. You don't realize how much you missed it until it wasn't available. till you couldn't go visit your relatives that were in the hospital. You couldn't even see them. You didn't know if they were alive until you got a call from the nurse. Right. Right. So all that to go back to the point that we have, you've got to know what's valuable to your team. If your team doesn't know value, um, it's really hard to serve them well. And then also knowing value is made, I made sure, do you know how valuable you are to me in the city? Do you know what your purpose is? And, and many of them are okay. I'm a recruiter. I'm, you know, I'm supposed to get jobs. And I said, no, you are the person that helps their business run. Without people and us not doing that well, they literally cannot do their jobs well because they need people. And it started setting a tone that you are valuable. The front counter, if you're not paying our invoices well, if you're not answering the customers with good, valid information that you know, if you don't know what's going on in HR of offerings we have to support those in need we can't serve our serve our customers well so it was just teaching them every role has purpose every role has a value and every role and i even told them i said i'm the director your job is absolutely as important as mine we're just different we just have different roles but your job is absolutely as important as mine work in the front counter because you get to talk to the customers every day and that you are the face you're the face of hr our class comp people behind the scenes. If we don't pay them well, we can't get them. So let's do that really, really well and be a support to our departments. When they are fighting for the dollar, don't think of it as them disagreeing with you. Think of them as trying to pay people the best they can get to show value in them, right? In that in that candidate. Um, so it was just a different way of looking at things and supporting those and showing value to our team, and that there's purpose, because if you don't 
if they don't absolutely know their value and purpose to the organization, how can they really serve them well? If they're just going along doing a job, it's not going to be good. They have to know why is my job important? What, what am I doing to make a difference? And you have to make sure that they hear about that every day. We all have jobs. Make it more than a job. Make it a mission, a mission to serve. Well, part, a big part of this conversation is high performance culture. And there's a lot that <clears throat> we'll have to say, and I'm sure in, in some forthcoming episodes, because we really haven't taken yet a, a deep dive and we're still in the early days of this podcast. Uh, and let me go ahead and take a pause here and thank you for clicking play your time and attention. It's the most valuable thing that you can share with us. And so we, we greatly respect it and we hope that we're, we're bringing you value. Right. Uh, but having said that high performance culture is largely about story and it's largely about where we see ourselves as characters in this story. And if we as leaders and if the people in our organization or on our team, if they don't see where they fit as a, as principal characters in that story, mm -hmm. there's no way that we're going to develop the high performing cultures that, that we're seeking. Mm -hmm. I'll give you another side side note. So as Lisa and I are recording this, we're obviously doing this through zoom. I, I'm, I'm in my quasi home office podcasting studio. Mm -hmm. You can tell Lisa's probably <laughs> sitting at a, at a dining room table <laughs> in my mom's house, but, but there are three dogs, you know, that are snoring off to the side that thankfully we can't hear, but part <laughs> of the whole zoom, the this reminded me and I just, I'm just going to share it. Just You're digressing, but that's good digression. I, I am, yeah, I am digressing. <laughs> part of the Zoom thing, part of the connection was we get on these calls, you know, and all of a sudden the cat's walking across the screen and stuff, you know, or the kid comes in. It gave us, it gave us, I, it, I just believe this. It did give us some, and too many leaders did not lean into this as fully as I think they should. Right. It started out and everybody was going to be, if, if the dress code was whatever it was at the office, we tried to maintain that at least from the waist up. Yeah. And then we saw how many pictures of, of, you know, guys who had shorts on and barefooted, but they had a coat and a tie on, you know, and they're sitting on their zoom call, uh, only to stand up and reveal that, you know, they got swim trunks on or something, uh, that humanity. I wish we would have early, early on leaned into that because we did get to know some things about people that we worked with that we would, mm -hmm. we never would have known otherwise because we got to see them in their natural habitat. I remember when the NFL draft <clears throat> that year of COVID and the shutdown, the NFL draft, which normally they took cameras and they would show, you know, like we're in Dallas Fort Worth. So they would show Jerry Jones and the Dallas Cowboys in their war room, uh, of their headquarters and stuff. And all of a sudden, no, that wasn't happening. You know, we, we saw these, we saw these coaches, we saw these, we saw them in their homes. Yeah. Like on NFL Sunday, still Jimmy Johnson still does his from the house while the others are in studio. Yeah. You know, and it's, it, and it's like, it's like, I remember looking at Cliff Kingsbury, you know, this coach for, uh, for Arizona and his digs, you know, I mean, here's this, here's this high flying, high paid bachelor, you know, and I mean, the digs were just, I mean pretty spectacular. And I remember the media just going crazy about it. I think Jerry Jones was on his yacht, you know, so we got to see these people in a way that we had not seen them before. And I remember right. watching that and thinking we're doing the exact same thing in our organizations where the point isn't the pandemic. The point isn't zoom or team calls, the virtual calls versus being in person. The point is we did get to connect we disconnected in one way, right? We connected in a different way, but and we connected. For, and for those of us that mm -hmm. allowed our humanity to come through for those that didn't shy away from the fact that they had three sleeping dogs right next to them that were snoring their heads off or for the cat whose tail, you know, just kind of worked its way across <laughs> the screen, <laughs> you know, for those of us that embrace those moments. I do wish that, okay, now if, if you're not in that world and city government is, is very much an in-person be at city hall, be, be where you have to be more so than, 
the private sector is. But by doing what you did, you dragged that in. Right. And where that fits in the context of this is the stories that we tell ourselves about ourselves, how we fit, how we make a difference. And yet it is about us Mm because that's the most important person on the planet. Let's face it. But now it's also about my teammates. It's also about the fact that I know that Lisa's got these, you know, these three big dogs sleeping, you know, beside her. And that shared humanity, I think, helps us in not only telling our own story, but now in seeing, okay, I kind of, I kind of sort of understand where I fit in all of this too. I understand that Lisa is who she is. She loves to fish and she loves to hunt. I couldn't tell you the last time I fished and the last time I hunted was probably as a little kid with a 410 shotgun, you know, so <laughs> it's just not something I do. You know, she has said before, she's not a person who, who cries very easily. Um, I cry every day. I also laugh out loud a lot every day. Now she right. does the latter, but we're just two <laughs> different per- people. But in the context of us being a team on this podcast, that shared humanity I know my story, but I know my story in context with her as a co-host and as a really critical component of this podcast, and I feel it reciprocated. And hopefully that comes across to the audience, and hopefully that makes us a high-performing podcast. That's the goal and objective. Well, that's that's just a micro version of what's going on in your city. Those of you that are watching and listening, it's it, it works exactly the same way. Right. And you have to be able to see in each other the value they bring to the table. It's it's so easy. I don't know how many people I've counseled that that their focus when you start talking to them with what's going on is about somebody else, what somebody else is doing, what they're not doing, you know, that they're irritating, that they do it this way or they do it that way. Or, you know, I just wish they would do this. And my first question is. Who are you in control of? And they'll pause and look at me and I'll say, you, you're only in control of you. Well, the problem is some of us aren't in control of that. (laughs) Oh, well, Randy, (laughs) Randy, that's a whole nother podcast. (laughs) Yeah. Okay. I'm going to make an, I'm going to, I'm writing that down. (laughs) Yeah. So, you know, but I, I, you know, no, I told him you're, you're only in control of you. So instead of focusing on that person, what can you do to make it better? What approach can you take differently than what you're doing today to make that relationship stronger? Because you cannot change somebody else. You cannot change them. You can influence them. Maybe you can influence them to think differently. You can influence them to see a different perspective, but you cannot change a person in the way they absolutely think. You can influence a behavioral change potentially if they wish to make it. But, um, you know, so many, so many people and it's natural will focus on others and what they are not doing well, but really we should be seeing what they do well and balancing it or what they're weak in. We can shore up and strengthen We had another episode that talked about that very thing that talked about you try to get people on your team that are different from you. The best teams are formed with people different than you that shore up your gaps because it's not about what they don't. It's easy to focus on a weakness, but instead look at yourself. Where are my, where are my gaps and how can I draw on what somebody else does well to make our team stronger? Because when you start shifting perspective like that, then you start seeing this team that becomes unified because it's not about, well, they do this and they do that. That's, that's not helpful for anybody because that may be fact. Maybe they don't organize well. Maybe they don't uh, follow up as well as you do. But if you follow up well and they're super creative, once you put them on the team where we need to form recognition ideas or wellness campaigns, put them on that team for their creative side. And if you're the organizer, you do the organizing. Don't try to make them something they're not. Don't try to say, I want them to be more organized like me. 
that's not going to do any good because if they're not an organizer, they're not <laughs> they're not an organizer. Right. You can try to make it better than it is by giving them, you know, are you struggling with the organization? Here's what I do. Maybe that will work. Can I send you to a time management class that might give you ideas to do things differently than you do? But I can guarantee you a person who's not well organized is never going to be well organized. They're going to be a little bit better organized. Right. 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 Because we can't change who we are and the way we are made. And well, the as the adage goes, fish don't climb trees. But the problem is too many leaders, I'm a fish and I want fish. That's I, right. I, want, I want my team to be made up of fish. Well, that's fine if there's no trees involved. But if you got trees involved in, in the work that you need done, you don't need a you don't need to be all fish. If you're no. all fish, you're you're in deep trouble. You know, that's right. I think part of this story that we're talking about that as leaders, we need to provide for our people this this story of where they fit, how they make make a positive difference. Is we've got to be able to see it first, so That's that right. we can share it and be facilitators to guide them. You know, so so they can see it. But I remember you and I, and you talked about it in the in the last show, having having these one on ones, and and even mentioned it here these one-on-one -on -one conversations enabled you to have to get to know these people in an individual way, which helped you do that to your point. Everybody, everybody is different and what they want, what they aspire to is different. What they hope to achieve is different. So the journey that they've got in their head as leaders, kind of good to know. That's right. Kind of good to know if you've got somebody on your team who really is aspiring to be a number two in your department or in a department like yours somewhere else, if they want to be a deputy director or an assistant director or whatever it's called in your city, good to know, good to know, because now you can help them write that story mm -hmm. and man, what, what, what better thing is there? We're talking about growing great. We're not just talking about you growing great. We're talking about your ability and your capacity to help other people grow great. That's right. Because your ability to grow yourself is going to largely be determined by your ability to do it for other people and to help them. That's right. If you can help them, then there's little doubt in my mind, you can help yourself. You could choose to do it the flip, the flip way. And that's the selfish way. And it's the way that a lot of folks go. I don't subscribe to it. I don't recommend it. I think it's counterproductive to everything that we stand for. That is just be out for yourself. Yeah. Just grow yourself and not worry about the other people and just see how that works out. I'm not saying that it can't, by the way, it could absolutely work out for you. It's a colossally selfish way to go through life. And most people involved in city government don't quite roll that way. I'm not saying everybody. Right. But it's one thing that I love about the space because it, it largely is a space of service. It largely is a space where the focus is on other, other people. It's why folks that are in the space are kind of have gravitated to the space, but we've got to do this. We've got to do this for our people so that we protect them from this default pessimism that can overtake any of us so that we can prevent these people from immediately thinking the worst or thinking, I don't, I don't make a difference. Nobody's paying attention to any work I do. Nobody notices anything. How am I possibly making any difference? Well, I can give you tons of stories where I've set people down. I had, a, I had a, I came in to do a, a bit of a turnaround years and years ago. And this was a place that was steeped in all kinds of forms and surveys and stuff. I got to 27. I said, I want a copy of every one of these forms that our people fill out. I got to 27 and I said, okay, I don't, I don't even want any. I don't know how many more are out there. I don't care. I don't need them. 27 is way too many. And so you start sitting down with these people that are making at the time minimum wage. And I'm like, okay. Talk to me, people. What, what are we, what are we doing here? Well, they didn't understand. I, I don't know. I fill this form out and then I fill that form out. Then what do you do with it? Well, I do this with it and I do that with it. I said, and I mean, do you, do 
Do you ever get any feedback about it? I mean, do you, does anybody understand what this form does? Not a hand went up and I looked at him and I said, well, I don't understand any, I don't understand the value of it. So I'm sitting here looking at half a dozen or so people that are, their days are filled with doing this kind of work. Mm-hmm. And I, in that moment, I'm sitting here and I'm thinking, <laughs> what a terrible existence. I mean, what an awful story to be telling yourself. You know, what do I do? Oh, I get up every day and I go and I fill out a whole bunch of forms. Oh, really? Well, what do those forms do? No idea. I don't, I don't know. No idea. <laughs> I don't no, know. I, I just know I'm supposed to fill them out every do day. They, do they provide any value? Couldn't tell you. <laughs> right. you know? And I'm like, you know, so I very quickly within 24, 48 hours, you know, I gave them a new story. I mean, I burned it all to the ground and I said, okay, here's what we're going to do. And I, and they led the charge because they were frontline. That's right. And it's they just know the one, job best. Yeah. It's just need. one really simple illustration of these poor people coming to work every day, trying to make a living and being stuck doing something that nobody even understood that didn't and make, doesn't st- make it doesn't add value. No, no. And I don't care if they're the lowest paid people in your organization or the highest paid people in your organization. Everybody wants to make a difference. That's right. Everybody wants to make a difference. So I think part of our job as leaders in helping people craft a story of how they fit, how they make a positive difference is to put them in a position to do that. Don't ask fish to climb trees. You got trees that need to be climbed. Find a place for the fish. They need water, put them in water and turn them loose. And then find somebody who can absolutely, you know, find the squirrels that can shimmy up that tree. Yeah. And don't, don't think, you know, it's best all the time, because I think, you know, as we explore ourselves and our leadership, be sure you're always asking, what does the team need? What does the team see that we need? And it doesn't mean you have to take every suggestion as fact, but I suspect if you ask and you're willing to listen to the answers you get, you're going to see a common theme that starts coming up and focus on that. And then, you know, hopefully you've taken the strategy before where if we brainstorm, what do we need to do? What do we need to fix? What would make it better? And you just start writing ideas down, whether you're using a whiteboard, whether you're using it on virtual, a virtual whiteboard, whether you're using a fact, you know, an actual flip chart, um, whatever your method is to document what your team sees as the need then prioritize it. And it's going to naturally come out of, of what probably what you felt was needed. There's going to be some really big stuff and there's going to be what I call low hanging fruit. That's easy to fix, easy to turn around like you did in 24, 48 hours. That is a thorn in people's side, but nobody's saying anything because it's just the daily grind of getting it done. Right. So be sure you're, you're willing to ask, you're writing that story, showing them how they fit and have value and then do something about it. Because if you do nothing, they're not going to answer the question again. That's right. Well, when you ask, they're not going to answer it. They're just going to be, they're not going to do anything. That's I'm not right. Gonna invest my effort and time. And we right. may need to reemphasize, or for those of you that might be brand new to the podcast, and thanks for clicking play, but we may need to reemphasize. It's why, though, it's why what we have called, you know, the recipe for leadership is so is so critical especially the first two humility and curiosity and that absolutely has a play in here humility i'm not the smartest person in the room there's a ton of things i don't know and that leads to curiosity where i'm just i'm asking questions why am i asking questions well i'm asking questions because i want to know that's right okay well that's knowledge okay well that's great and wonderful but i can know some things to be true, but that doesn't mean I really understand them. Okay. So I knew I had 27 forms. I knew what was going on, but I still didn't understand. Well, it turns out there wasn't anything to understand because nobody understood it. Okay. But to understand that is understanding. And so that's the fourth ingredient in the rest. And then the last one is compassion, which happens to be synonymous with how we define leadership, a focus on others. What is compassion? Well, compassion isn't just being a a, a bleeding heart. Mm -hmm. Compassion is a focus on others. We've all had family and friends who, 
Oh, yeah, they, they may just love everybody. Oh, well, I'm so sorry you're going through that. That may be great and wonderful. But somebody who's really going through something, is it helpful? Mm-hmm. Probably not. Probably not. So there might be some other things that may appear a bit more challenging, and we can do that in caring ways. But if we want the best for the other person, then we can exercise compassion. Those, those five ingredients in our leadership recipe are pivotal to this and frankly, everything else that we talk about. If you get nothing, go back, find the early episodes where Lisa and I talk through those, each, each one of those, I would, I would encourage you to go back. I would encourage you to share those, uh, with your, with your team, with your peers, even upstairs, mm-hmm. share them because it's going to help us all collectively find our path forward to building a high performance culture, which is what we all want because newsflash, we all want to come to work and do good work. It's way more satisfying than to come to work. I don't know why I'm here or I come to work and I don't necessarily feel like I contributed in anything. No, we all want to be part of a winning team, bigger newsflash. Those people who are driven, those people who are really high achievers, they don't want to work with people who don't want to be a high achiever. Right. They want to be on a good team. So you want to architect a good team. You want to write a good story for your people. You want to make sure they know where they fit and how they can make a positive difference. And then you want to make sure that that becomes the reality, that it's not just some tale that you're telling, that it's not just some high hope that you have for your people. Yeah, I agree. It's, it's, it's so important. Um, and those, that leadership recipe, those, those steps definitely can help us see the value in our team. And like you said, Randy, it's just knowing, it's just knowing where they fit, knowing they have value, um, showing them the, the steps, the compassion, you know, those things in that leadership recipe that really makes it count when you're talking about your team and, and remember, I know you mentioned serving up, but I always say, remember, you can serve down, out, and up. It's the 360 degrees. You know, you can serve customers. You can serve vendors. You can, it's all in what they need to become successful that we can invest ourselves in uh, because together we're better. And it's it's so easy to think that I'm just worried about me and my team but really doing our team and having a high performing culture on our team serves the bigger team because we really are a huge team. It just keeps expanding out. Yep. It just keeps expanding out. So let's, let's give some parting shots here. So there's a leader listening to us. Maybe they're at a director level. Maybe they're not. Maybe they're a supervisor of some sort. Maybe they're just somebody stuck in the bowels of the organization or they feel like they are. And We want to get our focus off of ourselves. That's the intent of today's episode. At least yes, you're writing your own story, but remember part of you writing your story is your ability to help other people write a better story. Mm -hmm. You're not in control of it, but you want to influence them in that way. So as a leader, what are some of the things that you would do? You, you haven't done this before. Maybe you're looking in the mirror and you're like, man, why didn't I see this before? But now you're committed and you want and you want to start doing that. What's your best advice? If you want to start I now want to start helping other people see how they fit and how they make a diff, a positive difference in the organization. Well, first I'd ask them, for me, I'd ask them how do you see your fit and your purpose and see what they perceive and then and then advise them how you see their fit and their value. Um, and and warning here, if you are their boss, if that's the leadership role, if you are their boss, don't expect to get the truth. That's right. You're right. They will tell you what they think you want to hear, usually. Um, so it's it's digging in a little bit more. Um, you know, the, the biggest way I can tell you is to ask. Um, we've You've heard me say it before. I love doing anonymous surveys um, to figure out what we do well and what we need to work on. I love asking the customers then what we do well and what we need to work on. And hopefully they align. If they don't, we have more conversations. 
for, for me, that's yeah. how we know. And I let the team, you know, the, the easiest thing I see leaders do is they try to fix everything. So as soon as they get the feedback, they say, okay, guys, here's the plan. Here's the plan. Here, we're going to do this, this, and this. Uh, employee number one, you're going to go do this. Employee number two, come up with a plan. Employee number three, you're the leader. Right. I want you to lead that path. Right. We've asked no questions, yeah. but we got the solution all worked. That's out. right. And it's and it's very easy to do because if you're a high performer, your natural instinct is to solve problems. I'm going to solve that issue. But guys, the minute you start solving without asking, you have just quieted your team. They are going to be unwilling to provide answers yeah. because you have shut them down. Yeah, they're looking at their shoes now. That's right. They're just hoping um, this meeting ends very soon. Well, I was right. trying to, I was trying to tease this, but I, I didn't, I didn't do a good job. I didn't do a good job. <laughs> or I didn't answer well. No, was no, it wasn't. No, it was not your fault. It was completely, <laughs> it was completely my fault. Let me remind you of something. Let me remind you of a suggestion that I made of a challenge that I issued to you back long, long ago, especially in having your one-on-ones is the expression your ability to express to your team before you even start with asking, I agree with you, by the way, I completely agree with what she, her suggestion of ask. Now the question is, okay, how one of the conversations, if you'll recall that we had was your, your expression of as a leader, how you wanted to roll versus things that the way you absolutely did not want to roll. You remember that? Yes, I do. You said, tell them what, tell them the story at the beginning that you don't want to happen and then just let it unfold. Yeah. Well, I was, I was, I should have, I should have teed that up better well, for see, you. See, now I, I know the, now I know the yeah, answer to your question. I know. I know. <laughs> so well, I is, didn't, I didn't ask a good one. That was, well, let's, problem. let's roll with it that way. I know that was a great, I had never thought about it that way. And Randy said, what if, cause I said, what am I going to ask? What am I going to, I don't know what to ask. So the one question I did ask is what's getting in the way of raving fan service. That gave mm -hmm. me one answer. The next time I did one-on-ones, I don't, my managers do them like monthly just to get a heartbeat of their people. I do them every six, six or nine months. Uh, in fact, I'm due for one, but that Randy said, what if you tell them what you don't want and then just pause? And I was like, well, well, that's a great idea. And he goes, what don't you want? I said, well, I don't want a hair on fire feeling. I don't want everything to be a crisis that we're dealing with and our hair's on fire. And how are we going to solve that? Now, to be fair, to give good context to this, uh -huh. Lisa and I did know, I knew only through her, there was high suspicion. There was very high suspicion that a number of people on the team felt like they had their hair on fire. That's correct. So we kind of purposefully, I purposefully kind of facilitated and, and guided her to figure this out that go ahead and address the elephant in the room by this isn't how we want to roll. And we kind of for, we, we kind of prophesied that what we would get would be, well, that's, ex that's exactly what we're doing. That's exactly we, how we roll every day. We, we, we do roll with our hair on fire, <laughs> but it gave her the opportunity as a leader to, ins to give them a safe space then to, to tell share. her, to tell her the truth. That's correct. Cause I did not want that to be our story. And, and so as I led with that of what I don't want this to be is a hair on fire feeling every day. I don't want you to feel like there's a daily crisis that we are just spinning our wheels and trying to get out from underneath. So how do you feel? And the answer I got was there's absolutely a hair on fire feeling every single day. And I said, my next question, what's causing it? What's and, and guess what it was? Number one, we're getting meeting to death, a very outpouring of COVID, by the way, how many of us are still doing meetings that could have been done in an email, mm -hmm. right? So the outcome of COVID is that we've, we've gone 10 times on virtual meetings that we really don't need to have. We're exploring that at the city right now is do we really need a meeting on this or can we do an email or can we do it differently and just do one thing? Yeah, I know, so, by the way, we have this avalanche of work product that continues to come down the hill that we have to process and, and do something with. Meanwhile, we're stuck in a meeting and we can't. And yeah. Yeah. And what we, you got to find the make sure there's value in the meeting and that it's it's not just going on for without purpose. And I remember some me members sharing, you know, just we're getting meeting to death and we meet on the same topic four times. It's OK, we're going to meet on this topic and then we're going to have another meeting on the meeting that we just talked about to figure out what we're going to do. And then once we have that meeting, we're going to get our to do list done. 
and they really needed a half an hour meeting. What are we doing? Who's responsible? Mm-hmm. And give me feedback by Friday. That's all they needed. Right. They're very, I have very capable staff. So it was just hearing that and going, okay, definitely great. I don't want you meeting to death. We've got enough work without a bunch of meetings on the plate. And so yeah, by this point, the fog, that. by this point, the fog of war had kind of lifted enough right. that you were seeing things more clearly. You had some, as my, as I recall, you had some, you, you had a more precise story in mind for your team individually and collectively for how they fit, how they would make a positive difference. But that was not, there was a disconnect. Yeah. There was an alignment everywhere. Um, and so as we, as we explored that, um, we, we kind of got that worked out and fixed. So it was troubleshooting each one. How can we make, you know, where is it coming from first? How is it happening and what can make it better? And it guys, I can tell you, I knew the answer. I mean, that's the challenge here. I knew the answer I knew, but I needed to hear it and they needed to have a voice. It is not my problem to necessarily completely fix, but I have the ability through influence and my role and ranking and authority mm-hmm. implement change to fix it. Right. But I wanted to hear from them. What would make it better? What can we try? And what is your part in it? Because it's easy to focus on somebody else, but what part do you have in the solution to make sure they felt buy-in, they felt influenced, And it's not because I just wanted to do that because I can. It's because I believe in that way. I believe you need to listen to your team and help them identify the solution so they feel they have power and authority and buy into the solution. Not just Lisa Norris telling them what to do because I can do that. It's just not as effective. Well, and let's let's, let's look at one maybe small elephant in the room, and that is leading by example. So if Lisa's leading her team with that methodology, do not think for a minute that you're going to lead your people in a way that they aren't going to emulate. So if you enter the room and you're, you're the fix it person, you got all the answers, you got all the solutions. You don't need to hear anything from anybody because after all, you're the boss, you're the potentate on high, then don't be shocked that they operate at their level in the exact same way. That's right. Don't be shocked that they don't ask any questions either, that they don't seek understanding either, that they don't exercise compassion either because they've not seen you do it. That's right. So if they will do it, think, think about the incredibly high value Mm -hmm. that that brings of now up and down your department, your organization. If everybody follows your lead, how good or bad are things? If everybody were to do just what you do, how much better, how much worse would things be? I think there's some value in that. Yeah. And I was just looking, uh, for those watching, you probably saw me looking off screen. I was looking for this quote because I came across it. I was just got back from a conference. And this goes to that point of what we just talked about. Leadership is solving problems. The day the soldiers stop bringing you their problems is the day you've stopped leading them. Mm-hmm. They have either lost confidence that you can help or they've concluded you don't care. Either case is a failure of leadership. And it's so important as leaders, you are listening to your team. You are not interjecting. You are not interrupting. You are, if they are speaking, even if you disagree with it, allow them to finish and question. Because first, if you allow them to question without cutting them off, you've created safe space to ask questions. Secondly, they may have a point and you didn't know about it. And if you have shut them off before listening, you know, they say listening to respond. You know, if you're just listening to give a response and that's you've immediately shut off what they're even asking, you're going to not hear the message. And sometimes the message is a really good one, but you need to ask and be curious a little bit more to understand. And I, uh, I, I was guilty of this in my younger career because I always, I was such a, doer that I got in my own way. You know, I, I would, I would, somebody would be saying something like, yes, I can, I'll take that. I can do that. I'll, I'll fix it. I'll have it done by this afternoon. Yeah. But most all of us have done that. I mean, of most course, all, but that's most what I'm all, saying. You got to be real. You got to yeah, most all of us. We got where we got by doing that. That's the problem. We got rewarded at some phase of our life by being that proactive jump to it, yeah. 
got the got the problem and that is what i have found is historically the problem is the thing that worked for us it stops working tip There's number one don't take 10 years to fix it like it did for me <laughs> well, listen now apply of, it <laughs> you know, some of us it took a lot longer than 10 yeah. years I you know i mean i just you don't realize till you interrupt if you just interrupt and you look around the room for one second you will see the faces of your staff folding their hands looking down and becoming silent. Just take one second to interrupt and look around there. Guess what? They're not, they're not gonna, they're not going to talk anymore because the feeling is when you interrupt and you tell them what they need to do, that you're no longer willing to hear what they think they need to do, or which you might have an opportunity you have just lost in educating and growing them and trying to understand, okay, maybe there's a gap that I need to teach or understand so I can help them become better. And this, now you're and now you're stuck with a whole team of people that are going to leave that meeting that silent. With, with a story in their head that is not the story you want them to tell themselves. Right. And how many times have we tried to express something? You've got a good heart, you know you're in it for your team, but you shut them down, especially in an open meeting, and without realizing it. In other words, many of us don't come in every day going, man, I want to just really shut my staff down today. I want to be an ineffective leader and I'm going to do my best to reach that goal today. (laughs) We don't do that, right? Our goal is... No, but we do come to work too many times wanting to be the hero. That's right. We want the story to be all about us. That's right. I'm I'm the star of my own movie, after all. I am the most important person on the planet, after all. (laughs) Now, no, we don't say that to ourselves sales trainer jeffrey gittimer had the greatest illustration so he's just great he's great in public and i have followed him for decades so jeffrey gittimer stands up and he says he, he used to begin every presentation this way he said raise your hand if the customer is the most important person in the world and so of course it's a team of it's a sea of sales kind of people Every hand goes up. Yeah, of course. Yeah, the customer's most important person. He said, well, let me rephrase this. There's two people on the planet. There's you and the customer, and one of you must die. Who's the most important person in the world? And, of course, everybody laughs, and he says, yeah, so now that we've established you are the most important person in the world, you know, we can kind of get on with the presentation. And, now, that, now that we know the facts. Yeah, and, and th- there's the reality. Right. And this isn't to minimize your life matters you care about your life. You are in control of your life. You're accountable and responsible for your own actions and activities. But as a leader, you just, you, you got to check your ego at the door. You can't make this all about you. And if you do, you're going to be dead in the water. So Lisa's team of 12 people, you think Lisa's got enough brain power, enough work ethic, enough energy, enough, whatever to do the work of 12 other humans. No, she, I can tell you right now, I do she not. Ain't, she's great, but she ain't, that, she ain't that good. And none of us are, and there's the rub. So that's why I think it's just so important that this story that we help these people see and how they make a difference individually and collectively, because I got, here's another news flash, and I'll end on this note and then shut up and you'll get the last word. As a leader, you are not separate and apart from the group, the team, the organization, you are part of it. That's right. So don't think that it's you and them. It's us. Yeah, you've got, it's so important that, again, I know, I believe I know what is best for my team. Genuinely believe that. I've also got the authority and the power, not negatively, but positively, to influence the outcome, whether it's personally for them, whether it's professionally, whether it's through education and experience, but don't lose sight of the fact that just because you think you know, that you know, you need to ask. And it, it's it's so often we see, I need you to do this. I need you to do that. I need you to, we want to do this project. Will you go do this? But when is the last time, especially, and it, it can get worse as you go up because you're you just got more and more and more and more. The higher you go, the more there is to get done, and it becomes very easy to be in tell mode. Don't forget to ask what would what would you like to what would you what would human resources like to accomplish over the next year? 
how does that align with our strategic goals? Just get everybody thinking and make sure you know. I know, you know, many, many people have been establishing goals. We did it this year. I had always established goals in HR, but I know Steve this year had us publish at least three goals as a department. What do we want to accomplish as a team? Um, and then make, you know, and then for me internally, I always make sure it aligns with what I've heard council may be wanting to do or what I know is important to the city manager's office. Um, I align those, but still try to knock out goals as a unit that benefit the city as a whole, right? So just just don't lose sight and don't get in tell mode because you you will lose people through that because you aren't listening at that point. You have shut off the listening and are only speaking. And over and over, I've said we have two ears and one mouth for a reason. Open the ears and close the mouth. Thanks for watching and listening to Grow Great, a city government leadership podcast. For Lisa Norris, I'm Randy Cantrell. Be well, do good, grow great. The website is growgreat.com.